Well, Luke chapter 24, let's go ahead and uh, pray one more time. Lord, as we come before you, we do ask and I just, um, be, I just ask, Lord, that you would bless your word, God. Speak to our hearts. Lord, may we understand, may we learn, may we capture, God, what you're speaking to us about. And may we bring it into our lives tonight, God. May tonight be a time that, Lord, that you transform us as we get into your word. That you use your word to speak loudly and clearly and deeply into our souls. And so, Lord, I ask that you would do that through the anointing of your spirit, through the power of your Holy Spirit that is already moving our, on our hearts tonight. And I thank you, God, for this time we have to worship you. And now just sit before your feet. Just stop and just sit before your feet and hear your voice through your word. So I ask for your touch in Jesus' name. Amen. To help in avoiding uh, some arguments, this elderly couple decided to make a note of everything that they talked about since they had trouble remembering. So to avoid that little argument, okay, we'll write down what we're talking about. Well, one night, the wife asked her husband if he wanted anything to eat. And while well, the husband said, yeah, you know what, I want a chocolate sundae with whipped cream, a cherry on top, and, and chocolate sauce, and everything like that. So as she headed into the kitchen, the husband's like, wait, 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 aren't you going to write it down like we talked about? And the wife, right, the wife replied, no, no, I, I, I got it, I'm fine, I'm going to get it together right now, I won't forget. Well, after being gone for a while, the husband goes into the, the kitchen because she's taking a little while wondering what's going on. So she goes in to check on her, and on the counter in the ch- kitchen, he finds a big plate of eggs, Portuguese sausage, hash browns, and this big glass of orange juice. So the elderly husband, visibly frustrated in seeing all this, he said, I knew you should have wrote it down. You totally forgot the rice. Well, I can relate (laughs) as I get older. Uh, Sometimes I do have trouble remembering things too. Well, as we return to our study in the Gospel of Luke, we actually come here to this last chapter, and it's a long chapter, of Luke in chapter 24. And here we see how the followers of Jesus actually forgot one important thing that Jesus had told them before he died on a cross. He had told them that he will rise again on the third day. So the title of our message is Remember Jesus is Risen. Uh, You can probably guess uh, chapter 24, the beginning, is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So though it is not Easter, we are here in our study in the book of Luke, and we're going to be looking at Luke 24 from verse 1 through 12. So we're going to go through these 12, 13 verses. Now our outline tonight is this. Number one, the morning surprise. Number two, the message from angels. And number three, the miracle is verified. So that's our outline for tonight. Let's take a look at number one now, the morning surprise, the morning surprise. Now, in this section, we're going to be covering verses one through three, if you're taking notes, the morning surprise from verses one through three. Matter of fact, let's take a look at those verses right now. It reads here, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found a stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. We'll stop right here. Now, Luke is the writer of this gospel that bears his name. We begin here with Luke writing how basically at daybreak. On the first day of the week. Now, for Jews, the first day of the week is, you guys know, Sunday, right? It's Sunday morning, very early in the morning, just as the sun's coming up. Uh, It's dawn, 
And so we find that they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. Now, who is the they? Well, it really goes with uh, what we saw at the end of Luke chapter 24. Like if you look above in verse 55, the women had come with them from Galilee. So this is the group of women that were at the foot of the cross watching Jesus die. And this was the women who we saw at the end of chapter 23, who was there when Joseph of Arimathea put the body of Jesus in the tomb, in his own tomb, if you remember, and, and, and sealed the tomb. So these women were there. They knew exactly where this tomb was. So here, Sunday morning, they are there at the tomb. Now, who is these women now? The they that is spoken of here in these verses. Well, we get an idea in verse 10. If you look down to verse 10, which we'll get to later, it says, Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women. So we have Mary Magdalene, who was healed of the seven demons. We have uh, uh, verse 10 says, Joanna... Um, and Mary, the mother of James the Less, or some other women like Salome and other gospel uh, mention that uh, uh, the other women like Salome, who is the mother of James and John, the disciples there. Joanna here mentioned is, is the wife of Cleopas, which um, I'm not sure exactly totally, or at least I don't know right now who, who he is. But So there's this group of women there that came to bring, in verse 1, uh, spices that they had prepared beforehand. So before the Sabbath. Now understand this, that uh, it had only been a few hours after Jesus died on Friday that the Sabbath was to begin at 6 p.m., if you remember that, right? So Joseph had to hurry up, get the body, wrap the body of Jesus in linen, kind of like a mummy, strips of cloth, and put it in the tomb and... And Nicodemus was there, as I mentioned in our study, we find from the book of John. He was there with a, like 100 pounds of spices to anoint the body in this proper, proper burial, uh, as was custom of the Jews. So these ladies also had prepared, before the Sabbath started, some spices, but they wanted to come back now and, and, and kind of anoint the body uh, uh, with these spices in a show of honor and respect. It would be like we bring flowers yeah, to a grave. So that was the custom of the Jews. So these ladies were here now when the Sabbath was over. The Sabbath went from Friday, 6 p.m., Friday night, to Saturday night, 6 p.m. And so first thing in the morning, here is the ladies to pay their respects, to honor Jesus with some more spices to anoint the body. The interesting thing in Mark chapter 16 in the account of the resurrection, they were going to the tomb to anoint the body, wondering who's going to roll the stone that had sealed the tomb. You know what I like? They still went. These ladies still went. They, in their loyalty and their devotion, even though they didn't know how to get in there, how to anoint the body, even though it, it was early in the morning, they, they went there to give their respect to Jesus. So the first thing I want you to see here right away is these ladies were willing to, you know what, wake up early and come to the tomb as soon as they could. Isn't that great to see? I mean, it's, it's dawn, early dawn, you guys. I mean, how many of us are really up, you know, at that hour, right? And, and, and here it is, as soon as the Sabbath is over and the next day that they could come, they are there willing to wake up early, come to the tomb as soon as they come with the spices to give honor to Jesus Christ who had died on Friday. You know, a long time ago, I began to challenge myself by saying, you know, if I can wake up early in the morning, go surfing, and we call it dawn patrol, right? Right when the sun's coming up. Then shouldn't I even more be willing to do the same for God, to spend time with the Lord in my own devotions? And now the Bible doesn't tell us, you know, like, well, you got to do devotions in the morning or, you know, we know Jesus would, 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 
rise up early and, and pray or spend, you know, a long time in prayer and all that. But, but for me, I think early in the morning is the best time <laughs> to seek the Lord before the day starts, before I get into the day, you know, that I can, I, I mean, I'll pray during the day too, and I might even stop and read, but um, and maybe even at night. But the, the thing is, is to me, first thing in the morning, fresh and early seems to be the best time for me. And I just like how the heart of these ladies who were willing to wake up early come to the tomb as soon as they could. They put everything else aside, their sleep, their rest, just to get to the tomb to honor Jesus. I like something the former director of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship said. C.E. Hummel once said, be careful that the urgent doesn't crowd out the important. I love that saying. Yeah. We got to keep what's important, important. That's our relationship and our time spent with God. Well, as we read, it goes on when they got to the tomb. Now in verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. I remember we are going to Israel. We've been to Israel twice. And each time we went to this place called the Garden Tomb. And uh, there, there's a tomb that it could be, possibly, many believe, is the actual tomb of Jesus, or it, or it was a tomb like that. And in this tomb was uh, this, this like, like stone shelf, you know, it was all made out of stone, little tiny room, you could go in and peek in. But in front of the entrance of the tomb, if you look down, there was this like a, a, a carved out stone track. You know, and it looked like that's where like a round stone could be rolled to seal the mouth of the tomb. And it could be rolled open, you know, to, to, to put bodies and all inside. So they come here to the tomb and they see that that stone had been rolled away. So the entrance of the tomb was open. And then going inside, in verse 3, when they went in, they did not. Find the body of Jesus. It wasn't there. I mean, it was just days ago. They saw, they witnessed Joseph of Arimathea, probably Nicodemus too, put the body inside there and close this tomb. And now they come early Sunday morning and the body's not there. They look in, it's totally empty. Matthew 28 tells us in, in the parallel passage about the resurrection in Matthew's gospel, that there was this big earthquake. And this angel came down and rolled the stone over. And the Roman soldiers guarding the tomb, they like fainted and, and, and then ran. And they're like, they're like gone. So when the women got there, there's no guard. And when they went in, there was no body. The body was gone. It was miss, missing. Now, can you imagine the motions that they were feeling. Can you imagine not seeing the body of Jesus? I mean, I was one, I was thinking about this. Here's their beloved Jesus. They're faithful and loyal to Jesus. They're there at the cross watching him die. They and they they follow the body being placed in the tomb and wrapped in linen and all. And now they come back. Their heart is breaking. They want to give honor to Jesus. They they, they the one they loved, and now the body is missing. Their hearts are already hurting. They're already discouraged and depressed that Jesus even died on the cross. This was the hope for Messiah for them. And then he died. And now no body. It's missing. I was thinking maybe they thought, what, what else can go wrong? What else can go wrong? What a morning surprise that these ladies came upon. The second thing I'd like you to see is that these ladies came upon the unexpected on top of everything else that seemed hopeless. I mean, the, the, their heart was broken. Their hopes were dashed. And then now the body is gone. We get an idea of what they were feeling. In John 20, 11, the first part of verse, it says that Mary Magdalene stood weeping outside the tomb. She's just, she's just overwhelmed with sorrow. Not just 
Jesus died, but now the body is gone. I was thinking about how maybe you're facing something that has come upon you in an unexpected way. And it seems hopeless. It seems it's so hard. I encourage you today, hold on and put your hope in God. Because you know what? The story's not done, right? I mean, if chapter 24 ended there, we just, sorry, we'd be all sad. Everything we believe in would be in vain. The, the story goes on. Hold on and do not give up before we finish the rest of this story. Hold on and hope in God. God is going to show us something great. And perhaps that's something just around the corner in your life too. This missing body is not the end of the story. There's another morning surprise that's coming. And whatever you're facing right now is not the end of the story. Let me tell you that. Let me say that again. What you're facing right now is not the end of the story. God is not finished yet. And he will not leave it like this. There's a chorus of an old song, a worship song, kind of like a hymn that goes like this. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the fairest of ten thousands to my soul. God can do anything, anything, anything. God can do anything but fail. He will not fail you. Isn't that awesome? God will not fail you. It may look like the, the mission failed. It may look like, oh, oh you know, it's not going to happen. Jesus died. Think about what they're feeling right now. Now the body's gone. But we know the story. It was really God doing some great things. So we see the morning surprise. The number two in our outline is the message from Angels, the message from angels. Now, here we're going to cover verse 4 through 8. Verse 4 through 8. Take a look look at verse 4 through the first part of verse 6 now. It reads here While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. So here, as these women, verse 4, were perplexed. In other words, they're like, what what is going on? They're confused. They're they're discouraged. They're overwhelmed. They're hopeless. Another thing has happened. Then suddenly, behold, that's what we were reading here when it says behold. Suddenly, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Dazzling means like flashing or shiny garments. And, And so who are these guys? Well, these are two angels. God sent two angels from heaven to bring them the news. So they saw these angels, verse 5, and they're so frightened, they bowed down to the ground, knowing that, that this, this dazzling light, this glory, it was, it was holy. So they bowed down to the ground. And, and actually, in, in a, a parallel gospel, they say, hey, don't be afraid. Don't worry, you guys. And so they say to the women, why seek the living among the dead? In other words, why look in the cemetery for someone who's alive? You know, why, why are you here? I mean, what, what, what is that? Jesus, you know, he's not here. He is alive. He has risen. And there, what we see here in verse 6 is the event that is probably the greatest, most important event in the history of the world, that Jesus Christ, the angels declare that he's not here in the tomb, but you know what? He has risen. 
He has risen. He's alive. Jesus is alive. So here's what I want you to see, first of all, is the angels redirected their hopelessness to the reality the empty tomb means Jesus is alive. The empty tomb, the body missing, what, what they, were, they, were, they were all overwhelmed about and sad about means Jesus is alive. And that's that message from the angels. This morning surprise turned into hope here. The hopelessness, the angels redirect into this reality. Hey, the empty tomb? That means Jesus is risen. He is alive. I like something I usually quote that J. Vernon McGee said. He said, The stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let them in. Isn't that great? That's right. Jesus had already resurrected. Jesus, uh, before the tomb was even open, wasn't like, oh, thank you, angel, for letting me out. No, he was already resurrected. It was to show the world that he was already resurrected and the body was gone. So the angels redirected their hopelessness to the reality. The empty tomb means Jesus is alive. And, and guys, understand this. This reality that the tomb is empty, it says so much, you know. It means so much that the, there's, there's no body there anymore. Let me give you four things. I mean, we could talk about this all night. We could talk, get into it really deep. But let me just give you four, four things. Number one, the empty tomb means Jesus conquered sin and death. Understand that. The empty tomb means Jesus conquered sin and death. Listen, it, it, if the women went there and somehow the, 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 the door of the tomb was open and they saw Jesus' body and it was still in the tomb, you know what that would have meant? That would have meant that Jesus' sacrifice was not enough for the sins of the world. That, that he didn't pay enough. But he, his atonement, his suffering when he died on the cross, was enough. Remember he said, it is finished. It atoned for all of our sins. And so to see the body gone and resurrected, then you know what it means? That believers are, can be forgiven and saved. Jesus did rise again. There is no body. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from what? All sin, right? First John 1 John 1.7. Secondly, the empty tomb means believers in Jesus has a future, have a future in heaven. Believers in Jesus have a future in heaven. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, who Jesus, shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. So Jesus rising from the dead, having paid the penalty of our sin, atoning for our sin, rising again, conquering death. Now death, the curse of sin is death. But Jesus took care of that in his atonement and now he rose again from the dead, meaning we can have life in heaven. We can rise up from the dead and have eternal life. Number three, the empty tomb means Jesus gives believers new life now. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, right, Therefore anyone who is in Christ, they are what, a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So we were dead in our sins, Ephesians 2. But now we are made alive in Christ and we have been given a new life. We've been made into new creations. That's why I like uh, every Easter, we have Easter lilies, right? Because this dead bulb, which was once dead, is, grows out of the ground and becomes an Easter lily. And that's like us. We are dead in our sins. But now we are alive in Christ. So the empty tomb means Jesus conquered sin and death. The empty tomb means believers in Jesus, Jesus have a future in heaven. The empty tomb means Jesus gives believers new life. And let me give you one more. Number four is 
The empty tomb means every word of Jesus is true. So think about this for a moment. Jesus predicted his death and resurrection several times, many times. He told the disciples, told them, hey, when, I get, when we get to Jerusalem, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be delivered, handed over to the religious leaders. And, and they're going to they're gonna cause things so that I would end up. Even, even one time he said, in, I think in the hand of Gentiles, and I'll, I'll be put to death. But then I'm going to rise again. And he said that several times. So, so what if Jesus didn't rise? What if the body was still in the tomb? Then his claims of what he said, what would happen, he would die and rise again, would not be true, right? Then we would question everything else he said. That he, is he really the Son of God? Is he really God the Son? Does he really know the Father? Is there really salvation in him? Then we would have to kind of question that. But you know what? He did rise again from the dead. He is God the Son. And we can rely upon every one of His promises, every truth that He's told us, everything He taught about who God is, who the Father is, His love for us, what salvation is through Him, everything that He said, we can rely upon and say, that's true, this is true. And every promise for us, is true. We can rely upon that. So this is huge when we read here, He is not here but has risen. The tomb is empty, you guys. I went there. It's still empty. In the world, there are some famous tombs like the Taj Mahal in India. It holds the bodies of the, the, the Shah Jahan and his wife. There's something called the, the Green Dome in Saudi Arabia, which houses the bones of Muhammad. The pyramids in Egypt, right, they contain mummified bodies of the Egyptian kings. And inside Westminster Abbey, this, this church uh, next to the parliament building in England, rest the bodies of kings and nobles. I've been there. I've been in, in Westminster Abbey and walked around and and I just thought, boy, this is the weirdest thing. You have these stone caskets and some tombs with the, the dead bones and bodies are there. And I'm thinking, well, you have church in here, you know, it'd be kind of weird yeah, if you had tombs all around this, you know. But th- their bones are still there. But hey, in the garden tomb in Jerusalem, it's not famous for who's inside, but it's famous because it's empty. Because Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen from the dead. And I think that's something we need to hold on to. Is is our life with God, you know what, it is with a living God, with Jesus Christ who is alive. He is alive to engage with us. Yeah, It's not like, oh, we're trying to read the writings of some old dead prophet or person. It, it, that they're so far away that we're not really in tune with. No, God, Jesus Christ, is living and alive. And He actually gets involved in our lives. He engages with us. We have this relationship with Jesus Christ. He's alive. He's alive and well. And He's moving right now. He's speaking to us right now. He's calling us right now. Hey, Come close to me. Get to know me better. Hey, I, this is not some dead religion, but a, a, a relationship with a living God. That's what we have the privilege of having. So let not Christianity be something you just, oh, we go to church, we pray, we sing, or every day I read my Bible. No, we're engaging with God daily. It's dynamic. He's alive. He speaks to us. He works in our lives. He sees us. He takes care of us. This is Jesus being alive, you guys. Well, then it goes on here. At the end of verse 6, the angel says, Remember how he told you 
while he was still in Galilee, verse 7, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Verse 8, and they, the women, remembered his words. So after the angel says, look, Jesus is alive. He's not here. He is risen, you guys. Remember that? Remember, this is exactly what Jesus told you back in Galilee. Remember, Galilee is the northern part of Israel. Right now, they're in the the southern part of Israel where Jerusalem is. Galilee was the northern area where Jesus was from. Nazareth is in that northern area. And Galilee is really there on the um, Sea of Galilee. Uh, Right there was where's main, like, ministry base was so remember at the very beginning like before he traveled all the way down and that's what the angel is saying remember back in Galilee he first mentioned this remember I said that he had said this several times he told him several times this, what he his prediction here the angel's like remember back in Galilee when he first told you guys right that that hey the son of man which is from the book of Daniel. It refers to the Messiah. Uh, the Messiah was to come in the flesh as a human being, God coming as a flesh, being born a man, the son of man, so that God, who became a man, can die for our sins. That's what it's talking about. So the Messiah, the Son of Man from the book of Daniel, must be delivered right into the hands of sinful men. That was the religious leader or, and then the Romans who uh, put him to death. Be crucified. But hey, on the third day, didn't he say he's going to rise again? Isn't that what he talked about? Now understand this. For the Jews, they counted even a partial day as one day. So Jesus died on Friday at 3 p.m., right? He was buried before the Sabbath started at 6 p.m. So one day, Friday. Saturday was the Sabbath, another day. Then Sunday morning on the third day, early before the women got there, Jesus rose again from the dead. So on the third day, he was to rise again. So when the angel mentioned this, I, I think the women had this light bulb moment, right? Ding! That's right! Jesus had said that. Ding! Right? You ever have those light bulb moments, you know? Ding! I guess I've been having that a lot lately, forgetting things. Ding! My wife says something. Really? Oh, yeah, ding! You know, kind of thing. Boom, boom. All these light bulbs in my life right now. But they had this light bulb moment. And the ladies, it says here, verse 8, remembered his words. Think about that. I love that. Remembered his words. It's not a new word. It's something Jesus had already said. It's not a revelation. Maybe it is in one sense, but God had already given it to them. And now they're connecting, yeah, what Jesus said in a path. So now his body is gone, he's resurrected, what the angel is saying. And all of a sudden, it's connecting, going, oh, I see. So the second point is in here is this. The angels redirected their hopelessness to what they should know. Jesus is to rise again. They... they They should have known this, but now it's connecting. And now they should see and should know Jesus is to rise again. That's what he was talking about. You know, sometimes there's things that maybe God tells us and and, and we we don't make that connection until later, until God brings it up. Yeah. Sometimes he tells us something, we're like, yeah, yeah, then we forget about it. But here, God has the angels bring something to their minds, to their attention, that Jesus has already told them. And now they're going, ah, oh, I see. And the truth of that comes alive inside of them. Isn't it sad how sometimes we, 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 we forget what God has said? I mean, how many times, like, do you remember what you read in the Bible this morning? <laughs> 
<laughs> if I were to give you a test right now, would you pass that test? Sometimes for me, I, I always say, like, I don't know, I get too many things in my head, and it's like a desk, and you add one more thing, something else falls off the desk, you know, on, on that table. Um, that's like my life. More things are, are falling off. But isn't it sad how we, sometimes there's things that stay in our heads, <laughs> that we remember things we shouldn't remember? I read how researchers now have a cure for what they call earworms, which are songs that endlessly loop in your head like a broken record. They call it earworms. They say if you, if you can get your mind to focus on like challenging games like Sudoku or puzzles, it, it will like heal you. I don't know, maybe it'll still come back, but it, it will help you to not you know, have those useless songs go around your head. You know what they say the top songs are? Um, one is the Jeopardy theme song. You know that one, yeah? Da, na, 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 right? Yeah, now it's spinning in your head. Another one they say, top song for just uselessly going around in your head is the Muppets Mahanama. Ma, how'd they go? Manamana. 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 Okay, now it's spinning in your head. Uh, some other ones they said, like, who let the dogs out? Ooh, ooh. Another one is, it's a small world. <laughs> uh, I heard about uh, a man who settled with Disney. $8,000 a man went against Disney because he got stuck on the small world ride for 30 minutes and couldn't get out. <laughs> Maybe it's because in his mind, was it's a small world after all, you know, kind of thing. Crazy. But funny how these useless things, useless songs can get stuck in our head, but we forget the promises of God's Word. And I think we need to reset our minds. We need to reset our hearts and change what's in our minds. We need to, to not let, like, I call them toxic thoughts, yeah, I mean, I find one toxic thought can start growing and spinning out in my head. And I start believing something that's not even real. We need to get those toxic thoughts, take them captive, right? Make them obedient to Christ. And you know, we need to get the word in our head. We need to get the truth of God in our head. You know what? We need to take this message from the angels and Jesus, you have risen from the dead. That has great meaning in my life. And, and even though we're looking at this, and you might be thinking, oh, this is the Resurrection Sunday, you know, Easter message. And, and I've given this so many, and so, you know, so many times. But I wanted to really think about it more like, you know, the truths, that, the principles, the, the, what Jesus has done what the resurrection means, what the empty tomb means, should impact us deeply, should encourage us. So get that in your head and remember his words. Remember what Jesus said. Well, remember Jesus is risen is our title once again. We've seen, number one, the morning surprise. Number two, the message from angels. And number three, the miracle is verified. Number three is the miracle is verified. And here we're going to be looking at from verse 9 through 12. So this is the rest of our passage tonight. Take a look here. It says in verse 9, And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So they remember what Jesus had said. And after the angel message, then they, uh, returning from the tomb, they went back to where the disciples 
were. They told all these things to the eleven. It, it must be uh, while well, Judas was around, wasn't around. Uh, perhaps by then, remember he had taken his own life, uh, and and so it was just the eleven. And to all the rest, there's other followers of Jesus, a group of people who believed in Jesus. So they're telling him, look, uh, this angel, these angels, everything that went on, they're sharing and testifying of that. In verse 10, as we read earlier, this was who the women were, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother, James, and some other women who were with them, told these things to the apostles, apostles uh, remember our descent out ones, and Luke is writing at the time when the apostles were apostles. The disciples became the apostles, who were the ones who brought the message of Jesus Christ. What's interesting to me is Luke mentions three of the women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. And in, Jew, in the Jewish way uh, is that if um, to bring testimony you would have two or three witnesses to verify all this so perhaps luke was thinking of this so he just named three of them here to to verify to validate that that it wasn't just some one person you know but three of the women uh at least were testifying that this is what they saw and this is to be true but even with that, verse 11, these words, this testimony, seemed to them, the disciples, an idle tale. The word idle means like nonsense. Um, you can imagine disciples, what? Are, are you seeing things? Is, is this because you guys were so emotional and distraught? What, are you, you know, did you see this because you were hoping for this? And they thought, it sounds like nonsense. No way. And they did not believe what they were saying but verse 12 peter got up and he ran to the tomb to see for himself so he stooped into the entrance he got there he looked in he saw the linen cloths laying by themselves remember uh, jesus was wrapped with these strips of linen so when he resurrected it was like he went through with these cloths god gave him a real body and the cloths just laid there so maybe it's just like a form you know of, of the body laying there inside the tomb. And then he turned around and went home marveling. The word there, marveling, means uh, in wonder. Like, whoa, ah, you know, uh, that, that they, basically that a miracle really, really happened. Uh, we've studied this before, but in John chapter 20, in that parallel uh, account of the resurrection, we know that, not only Peter did run to the tomb, but John did too. And they both ran to the tomb, right? And, and then it says there in, in John 20 that John actually wrote that I, he believed. Yeah, well, he ran, he got there first, right? That's the funny part. But, but that afterwards that he believed after everything that they saw. So I feel like, so Peter did also when he went to the tomb. So Luke is giving us this, and this is our last point. Peter went to see for himself to find the testimony of the women to be true. Jesus did rise again from the dead. Peter went to see for himself to find the testimony of the women to be true. Jesus did rise again from the dead. We know that Mary Magdalene actually saw Jesus alive in John 20, verse 14 through 18. The women, when they were returning from the tomb to see the disciples, in Matthew 28, 8 through 10, they saw Jesus. Later on, we're going to see that Peter himself saw Jesus. We're going to see later in this chapter that, remember the disciples on the road to Emmaus? They were with Jesus. We know that several times, many times, all the disciples, including that time with Thomas, right, who didn't believe, they saw Jesus alive. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, that over 500 people saw Jesus alive. All at the same time, they were there, they saw Jesus. Jesus is alive. You know, maybe we haven't seen Jesus physically with our own eyes, 
But I'll tell you, we have experienced Jesus in our life. I have. I've seen a change in my life. I have new life. I, 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 I sense the Holy Spirit in me and moving in my life. I've been freed of my sin, the bondage of, of, of many of my sins, I should say. I still have stuff working on. But I, I, I have experienced God in my life. I've experienced healings. I've experienced His touch, His presence. I've, I, I've experienced Jesus alive in me, Galatians 2.20. We've experienced those things, right? We know Jesus is alive. And I want to encourage you guys here tonight that Peter went himself to see, wow, is this true? And he believed. The body was gone. Everything what they said is true. Jesus did rise again from the dead. And I want you to understand for yourselves, not just because I'm telling you, that Jesus is alive and he's working in your life. Know this, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is working in us. It's like the song we hear on our station, right? You know where that's from? That's from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Let me read this to you. This is the NLT version. But it says, I also pray, Paul's, the Apostle Paul's writing here, that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. And then he says, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Isn't that great to know? The same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us. That same power that brought Him to life. The Holy Spirit is at work in our life too. That means that He can change you. That means you don't have to stay the same. That means the habits that you struggle with, God can change you. God can make you more like Him. That means that maybe there's struggles in your mind. You know what? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead can help you to, to get rid of that foothold of those thoughts in your mind. The same power that, that raised Jesus from the dead can, can heal that, that, that struggles and discouragement inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead can give you strength to be the husband you need to be, to give you strength to live the life of God before your co-workers. The same power, you guys, is working in you that will bring you to conquer and bring victory into your lives of those things that seem to trip you up. That's what it means that Jesus is risen. So remember that. Remember that. Let's put our hope in that. As we've been studying this and seeing the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, let's put our hope in the resurrection that the same power is working in our lives. And that same power will strengthen us in our weakness. That the resurrection means all of this. And so we can put our hope in Jesus Put our hope in the one who is alive. That's what we focus in on. That's what will help us tonight. Jesus is alive. I'll close with this. Um, years ago, my nephew, um, Joshua, when he was, how old is he now? Like 14, huh? I think, 14. Uh, but when he was five years old, he had to go through two surgeries on his eye. Uh, one, one surgery is for one eye and another surgery for his other eye. He was born with a, con, a rare condition of cataracts in, in both his eyes as a baby. And so it was a really complicated surgery for you know the, the, a little boy. And it was also very hard because Joshua was a pretty fidgety boy. He couldn't stay still and everything, right? Uh, but 
my sister, uh, this was my nephew, my sister was able to figure out how to get him to like stay calm and listen to what the doctors and nurses were saying. And she said that she would give him a reward that he could have a popsicle. <laughs> so with that in focus, yeah, uh, un unlike even his past exams, the first surgery went well, like as he calmly laid down and there was a mask, you know, put upon him the, for anesthesia and he was able to just relax and then go to sleep. And, and the surgery was, was um, successful and he got a popsicle. Well, round two, a month later, for the other eye, um, she did the same thing. And, and even though um, after all the aftercare of irritating eye drops, uncomfortable plastic shield taped to his head, uh, and he was not able to run and jump, ride his bike, swim or play or anything, you know what, Joshua had a really good attitude even going in to this second surgery. For when he was told that Joshua, okay, on Monday, when she finally, he didn't know it was coming in a month, you know, but when he told him the weekend before that on Monday we're going to have another surgery on the other eye, little Joshua said, oh, good, I get to eat more popsicle. I like that, though. That was his focus, the popsicle, you know, and it helped him through this trying time. I think we need to be reminded on what to focus on tonight. I mean, as we wake up in a crazy world every day, as we face our challenges every day, let's put our hope on that, of what we studied today, right? Remember, Jesus is risen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, God, today. Thank you, God, even though this is like an Easter message. God, we need it today. We can't wait till next year, April. God, we need to hear this message today to put our focus, Lord, on that which will help us get through, on that which holds the truths of who we are and your life in us and and what you're doing in us, and that you're alive in our relationship with you, God. Lord, thank you that you have risen from the dead. And so can we, that we are alive because you died on a cross and rose again, that we have new life right now, and we have and follow a God that is living. So, Lord, as we come before you, we want to put our focus upon you, on everything you are, on everything you have done, God. Nothing else, Lord, really matters but you right now. God, forgive us for our distractions, Lord. Forgive us for maybe even idols that we've placed between you and I. But tonight, God, we come to you and we thank you for rising again from the dead, for all that you've done and for all that it means, Lord, in your death and resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen.